Hey, Danger Dangers here with a quick announcement. The nomination window for the 2024 Crit Awards closes on May 31st, and it would mean the world to us to have your help getting on the ballot. A link to the nomination form, as well as a document with some of our suggested responses, is in the episode description. But that being said, please feel free to vote for whichever shows you are most passionate about. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror adventure real play podcast loosely based on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I'm your host slash Crypt Keeper. Hello, I am Aaron. I play the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. And just last time, I saw a cool sword out in the middle of a swamp, and I raced the monster for it, but he won, got cursed, the lucky bastard. And I almost died to shit, <laughs> but I was saved by an unlikely ally. Hello, unlikely ally. <laughs> I am Grayson, playing Jet Griffin, the Invisible Man, the party's rogue mastermind. So last episode, yeah, everyone basically saw a sword in the swamp. And I mean, we all know Frankenstein's been begging for a sword this entire time. So didn't think twice. I was kind of like trailing behind a little bit. And I was like, you know what? It's kind of boggy. I'm gonna go chill in the tree. <laughs> so I'm chilling in the tree. And then lo and behold, we get kind of like the soupy, bubbly pudding monster that pops out. And it was not chocolate flavored. It was danger flavored. Hi, I'm Jordan, and I play Larry Talbot, a lycanthropic warlock. Last time, uh, we took our carriage into a murky bog, got a little stuck. There was a tree that definitely was a tree and not a please get out of the cart plot device. Um, <laughs> as we made our way into the bog, Larry, in his slightly feverish state, looked over and went, Ah, a sword. That was a mistake, because then everybody ran to the sword. And he's like, no, yeah. we're on a time crunch. Let's go. But that <laughs> but sword, once... though. <laughs> but shiny sword and bug. <laughs> lady of the lake was a muck lady. <laughs> After we dealt with our puddin' <laughs> and ended up into the forest, we encountered the witches and Rainer and some mysterious things were going on. We threw our friend and then... After learning some interesting information, all the witches scattered. So now it's up to poor old Lawrence to figure out who the heck he's going to question or plead with first. So we'll see how that goes. Hello, my name is Daniel Cruz and I play Imhotep the Mummy, our currently actually a mummy cleric. In the last one, as everybody has talked about, there was an encounter with a black pudding, really tasty, awful goop monster. <laughs> mm. So tasty. <laughs> I got to say what I think is my favorite line to Dan in the entire campaign, which was, can that be a free action if I use my action to make the scene worse? Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh. Did I make the scene worse? Which the answer is always yes. The answer is yes. always yes, because when you throw a bunch of sharp things at a pudding and you cut it into pieces, oops. Yeah, something's going to happen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Magnet. I play Mary Frankenstein, our barbarian. And just like uh, Jordan said, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me because I saw a sighty <laughs> sword in the bog and I ran to it like an idiot. Ben was not thinking. Mary was not thinking. They just thought, ooh, shiny sword. I really want shiny sword. Oh, hubris. My hubris, <laughs> and I'm cursed. Both characters at once, no thoughts, head empty. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we like it. But it was a good thing that I grabbed the shiny sword because, you know, the black pudding came up and I was able to kill said black pudding with new shiny cursed sword. So silver lining and all. Until it made more black puddings and then we had more of a problem and had to run away. <laughs> Until that part. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, we, we definitely killed it and it's gone forever and we don't have to worry about it. You're right. You're right. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and jump right back into the fray. All right, so remember that no matter what happens, no matter what we're in the middle of, at five o'clock real time, the full moon hits. 
So for the listeners, that gives us roughly about an hour. Where we left off last week, the witches all ran off in different directions. Mother Carrionite went south, Granny Grimhilda went north, and Sister Sycorax went east. Larry, who are we going after? I don't know. Um, well, there's three of them. We don't have much time, so I guess we can do one of two things. We could either all pile onto one witch and see how that goes, or I guess we could split up and see which witch has which... Damn it. <laughs> this is a curse regarding you, so it's not going to do anything if we split the party and you're not with us. True. I just, I don't know who is the best to help me. Um, I guess... Who was the one that took the wolf saliva? Oh, you're right. Um, is it Grimhilda? Did did we see that? I am not telling. That's going to be on you guys to remember. It's the gentle-voiced one. I believe it was sister. It was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Grimhilda, because if she was the last one, he said, and yeah. she was the one who got it. Oh, well, okay. I distinctly remember because <laughs> I was mulling over the fact that you were using Doctor Who reference names. Okay, yes. Carrionite, I did take from Doctor Who. <laughs> but the others I did get from actual folklore. So... Sycorax, well, not folklore, Sycorax I got from Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. I believe that is in The Tempest. I want to say it's Prospero's mom and is just one of the Shakespearean magic users. And Grimhilda is the name of the evil queen from Snow White. Uh, I think I will go after that one, methinks, perchance, perhaps. What I will say, Grimhilda went north, Carrionite went south, Sycorax went east. North it is. So let's go north. She seemed the nicest one out of all of them anyways. Phantom is going to hang back and choose to go towards a different witch because we were told that we were granted a few words and Phantom knows that's his strength and what he could probably do even alone. All right. So party split then? Party split. Unless anyone wants to go with Phantom, but I don't know if he's doing this stealthily. Phantom, are you telling anybody or are you just taking initiative? No, just hanging back. You know, I'll just say then, Phantom, you're going it alone. Oh, hell yeah. All right. So who are we following first? Probably the group. I feel like the group's got more important. <laughs> I was going to suggest Phantom because that interaction would probably be much quicker. Sure. Like it's just a one-on-one. But if it hits five while we're still talking about my shit, then sorry, everyone. <laughs> okay. So Phantom, as you make your way towards the east, the bog begins to dry up a little bit and you're entering into a more woodsy area that has recently been raised by some kind of fire. It's a little bit ashy. You see the remains of where a house once stood, and in those remains is Sister Sycorax cradling her bag of sand. Ooh. Is there even one living flower around? Roll nature. Oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, It's only a nine. You see a dandelion that is still clinging on. Phantom's going to press the digitate a little vase, scoop some dirt into it, and put the dandelion in it (laughs) as he approaches the sister as like a little house plant to offer. So as you approach Sister Sycorax, you can get a better look at her and you can see that she's a little translucent. There is some freckling that is going up and down her skin that seems less like actual dimples and more like a cosmic star pattern. Her skin is a little bit darker, has a bit of an ethereal, almost blue tinge to it. And her smile is very large and shaped almost like a crescent moon. And she says to you, Why, thank you. We appreciate when those of our clients who seek a word or two bring gifts. I shall pocket this for later. Now, what is it you seek? Well, I I come on behalf of a friend. I was wondering what happened with that Rainer fellow and what it has to do with the wolf. Rainer (laughs) is... um, We we call him somewhat of a contractor. He... uh, He provides things for us, we provide things for him, though it is somewhat of a neutral agreement. Um, He essentially was coming to us for supplies, and, uh, well, Granny Grimhilda's the one who interacts with the animals, so I don't pay much attention to what her deal is, but I know that Spittle of the Wolf is something that she would take a very particularly vested interest in. How interesting. What are you interested in? I? Why, I am interested in secrets. My dominion is that over dreams. And she begins to scatter the sands around you a little bit. And it is within the realm of dreams that people reveal their true selves, their true intentions, their true frame of mind. 
it is also somewhat of a prison. And the sand starts to solidify a little bit more around you as it circles around your legs. Hmm. I can help your friend with his affliction. We simply need to imprison his other half within the realm of dreams from whence I have control and where it shall not. And you can feel your feet get pinned to the ground a little bit. Nothing has happened to your movement, but the sand is kind of weighing your feet down. Well, I wasn't shown uh, too much hospitality in France, but I did learn a thing or two, and I know never to ask a new friend for a favor without something to give in return. What can I do for you? My realm being sleep is available to me at particular times, and it just so happens that one of my other sisters, my, uh, my granny, if you will, Granny Groomhilda. She is a hoarder of particular items, and one I have my eyes fixated upon that she has not allowed me to come to grips with is a pocket watch that can steal fragments of time. If you can bring me that pocket watch, I can assist your friend. Of course. What would new friends be without a... You know, a, a way to start, a foot forward, and a watch. What a brilliant piece. Happy to help. The sand starts to part around your feet a little bit. It circles around you a little bit wider and kind of maintains a circumference around you. Um, it is no longer pinning your feet down, but it is following you. I do have to impress one small thing. And what would that be? We have very little time before the affliction that affects my friend goes into a effect. And I get the feeling that if whatever it is happens while everyone is talking to your sister, I will not get the chance to get you a pocket watch. So I would ask that you, you know, as a show of good faith, go ahead and help me out first. She cracks a wide grin and says, I knew I liked you. You are very difficult to underestimate. And... I shall take a little bit of aid to go your way. Basically, the sand begins to circle you a little bit faster. And she says, This will make you a bit more fleet of foot. And shall keep things from getting in your way until you can rejoin the others. Now, if time really is as big an issue as you say, then that pocket watch will be extremely crucial. So, don't dilly-dally. Go your way. So what is the effect of the sand? It'll turn you into Imhotep. <laughs> I was gonna say, whose sand is that? <laughs> I'm gonna say it'll add 15 to your speed, temporarily. Ooh, cool. Visually, I w choose to believe that I am Shadow the Hedgehog style, like, skating now. <laughs> yes! Yeah! Fantastic. Well, shoot, I guess I'll head towards the group then. All right, so you go ahead and make your way on towards the group. The others, they make their way into a small, densely packed residential area. There's kind of elevated above some of the more wet parts of the terrain are a whole bunch of houses that uh, as the sun is starting to creep down below the horizon, all kind of flicker to life a little bit one at a time. And in the far back of this little residential area, there is a large talisman of a lotus flower. And underneath that lotus flower, you see Granny Grimhilda. She is wearing some rags that are worn down. They are a little bit dirt-stained and have some fungus coming out of it. And there are some poxes on her face, some little indentations, where some mushroom spores Ew. are beginning to make Ew. their root. <laughs> and she looks up at you and grins through crooked, broken teeth and beckons you forward. And as you start to make your way towards her, you notice that kind of surrounding this town on the outskirts, like right below the elevated houses, there are very rabid and feral-looking animals that are eyeing you, that are kind of keeping 
a little walled off sentry around you. Some snakes and rats slither out from underneath the porches of these houses and kind of block you in. Is there any way that I could go undetectable again and then sneak around? You can try. <laughs> All right. I'll just ask Larry what, what he wants to do. Uh, do you want to approach this directly or? I guess I, I don't really have much choice, I think. So I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And Larry's going to take some steps forward. I'm not going to go undetectable, but Jack's going to go about 25 feet from Larry. Okay. And as Larry starts to make his way forward, Grimhilda takes a few steps to sort of meet you halfway. And as she takes her steps, the foliage around her, the grass begins to basically die in her wake as weeds sprout up in their place and kind of spiral up around where her footsteps are, kind of enclosing over them. Jack's just going to slowly grab his dagger and just hold and wait for Larry to do his thing, but just really on edge. Larry is incredibly uncomfortable with her. <laughs> and Grimhilda says, Come, come forward, dearie. You seem troubled. Is there anything your dear Granny Grimhilda can assuage you of? Um, and kind of steadying himself a little bit. He's getting a little dizzy at this point. Uh, Granny Grimhilda, I was told that out of anyone ever that uh, I would have the best chance uh, encountering you and your sisters to um, assist me with my affliction. And I... I hope that um, we we can come and do that here today. Uh, I will I will do whatever it takes to to rid myself of um my curse. Oh, of course, of course. Well, I can see the beginnings of your affliction. You seem like you are getting rather flush of face, and oh, you must be. Burning. Your skin looks like it is crawling up your arms Ugh. as we speak. And he's going to shudder a little bit. I will do anything I can to help you out. But, of course, I, I cannot just give you the powerful relics with which no, I own. No, of course. I find myself really bored these days. And, um, well, I'll just be blunt. Are any of you... Gamblers. I look over to Imhotep. Is like, did they gamble a thousand years ago? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna step forward. What's your game? I have a fine assortment of magical, mystical items. The power of this talisman, as she indicates to the lotus flower behind her, is one that I believe could alter your course a little bit. It can undo the thing that happened to you. Undo? Yes, it is strikingly powerful. But here's what I'm going to do. I would like to let a little wager along the line, and I will promise this is a reward to you if you... And she looks over to Jack. And specifically you, Mr. Stealthy over here, <laughs> if you can get at something of great importance to Mother Carrier Knight. <laughs> she does, after all, keep a tight thumb on this coven, and I seek to simply unsettle her power a little bit. So if you can steal a lantern from her cottage and bring it to me... Then I will hand you this lotus. Do you mind if I ask what this lantern does? Well, that would be a question for Mother Carrier Knight. I simply know that it is an item of great valuable importance to her. But this wager would be a little bit too simple without stakes, without a ticking clock on it. If you can get me that lantern before the full moon... We can avoid your entire situation, dear Lawrence. Absolutely, yeah. You know my name? 
Of course, dearie. What kind of granny would I be without knowing the names of my grandchildren? <laughs> That's why I know I can count on you, Jack, to be able to get this done. And your friend Larry is waiting on you. The animals at the south kind of part a little bit to lead their way. And since I know what kind of thrill-seeker you are, as well as what some of your friends might be able to make use out of, I can sweeten the deal a little bit. If we make things a little more interesting, I can give you other such wonders. Let's focus on helping out Larry first. Fine, fine, fair enough. You have until the full moon. Now, I will need some collateral, too, before I can just let you out of my graces. I, I do trust my grandchildren, but I seek to have something of intense sentimental value. Oh, you know who's a sentimental sucker. <laughs> Jack is gripping Abraham's dagger and looks over at Larry and then just kind of nods and pulls the dagger. Oh, my God. <laughs> This does make things interesting. I'll be taking that. And in exchange... Some insects kind of pooling in her footsteps start to crawl up her back. <laughs> and she plucks a tick oh, from out of her hair it. and flicks it ah. at Larry. <laughs> if you can beat my little ticking timer... Oh, you suck. Then I will throw in... And she holds out a pocket watch. Damn. This is an enchanted pocket watch that can steal time from your future self. An item of great value. If in exchange, I hang on to this. And something else of great value as well. You see what Larry's got. You never know what mundane objects might hold some intense and powerful magics. <laughs> <laughs> Imhotep leans over to Mary. Maybe we should have found that little witch, but I'm not doing a whole lot here. So I move forward to the witch and I ask her, "Is like, what kind of items do you fancy?" I want exactly? to give her something. She already <laughs> took my dagger. What else does she want? I know. I think she wants. I think she wants my sword. No, she said sentimental little trinkets. I think. Also, Larry, make a Constitution save. Oh, okay. I was also going to say, like, the only thing that Larry might have that sentimental might be the cane, but I don't know. But she also said items of great power. I also, I was thinking the photo that Phantom prestidigitated for us, oh. or the piece of fabric that Mary gave Larry. Those two items are the most sentimental things he has picked up. I think I will give Granny Grimhilda the friendship photograph wrapped in the cloth of fabric that it was given to me by Mary. And then as you rifle through your pockets to hand over that photograph, a small little glimmer catches her eye and her expression drops entirely. Uh, my constitution save was an 11. With an 11, the tick bites you <laughs> and you can feel your temperature rise hotter than what your full moon transformation normally gets you. And the tick leaps off and scurries away. Oh, oh this, this doesn't feel right. Um, Larry, what's going on? Never. Um, Larry? Uh, forget it. We just, we need to get this done. And Grimhilda says, This doesn't feel right either. This photograph. I understand that it has intense sentimental value to you, but... What is that flask doing in your pocket? Uh, this this thing? I it, it it was given to me by someone um back in a, a town we just came from. Where did you get that flask? I I I, I don't know. I, what what is it about the flask? It's just a flask. All wagers are off. I will give you this lotus flower if you give me that flask. What is it with the flask? What do you want with it? It was unceremoniously taken from me by a precocious vampire, and I did not at the time appreciate its value, but I've since come to learn that it is very, very important. So please, hand over that flask. Shoot, all right. 
and the weeds start to sprout up around her more sharply to kind um, of exaggerate her point. Even her odds, I'm gonna roll. <laughs> I give her the flask. Anything to get rid of the curse. Wow. I get my dagger back, right? Yeah, you get your dagger back. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marlo, but anything. And she clutches the flask, savors it intensely, and a look of just intense relief and excitement passes over her eyes as she takes the flask. And as she, like, kind of waves a hand over it and turns it back and forth, the label on it that says, Johnny Walker Kill Marnock Whiskey, <laughs> lights up. And she giggles to herself. Now the lotus. Uh, yes, the lotus. How do we... How do we use the lotus? She takes a step back towards the lotus with the flask in hand and says, I will tell you precisely how to make use of it when you bring me the lantern. And she pockets the flask. Damn it. You said all bets off, right? I thought that meant that you would give us the lotus. Exactly. Well, you see, there is a little thing called dishonesty. and. Damn now that I've gotten what I want, you have no more leverage for me to give you what you want. Unless, of course, there is more you, you have must. to offer. How can I know I can trust you? You can't, but you have no other options, do you, dear Lawrence? <sighs> Jack's going to go ahead and walk behind Frankenstein and go undetectable. Okay. So that way, potentially, she didn't see, but I don't know what trick she's got. Go ahead and roll stealth. 17 plus 7. She did not see you. Larry's steaming and sweating and just getting really frustrated and angry. You know, while all this is happening, Emotep is going to come up to Larry, put his hands on his shoulders, and start to, like, kind of turn him away as he looks to Granny Grimhilda and says, We will have what you are seeking, and we do expect... Our proper payment in return. Of course, of course. And he kind of leans in and he calls her young one. <laughs> oh, how precocious of you. <laughs> when you put your hand on Larry's shoulder, you can feel he's shaking, but he's also very, very hot. Now that you've got flesh, you can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> but he is, he's actively almost like steaming hot. He's just burning up. And uh, Larry, your throat's beginning to constrict a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling dehydrated. Oh, shoot. I could use a flask right now, am I right? With <laughs> <laughs> that high little vial of water. <laughs> you just slurp down your Nile water. There you go. <laughs> Delicious and refreshing. <laughs> You can taste the history in the Nile. Imhotep kind of takes Larry and tries to turn him to like, okay, let's just get going. We're running, we're running out of time. Let's go. Okay. We'll go. We'll get, we'll get her damned item. Just a heads up. Jack is mm. undetectable. No one saw. Hell yeah. Get it. Above table. What are we doing? Because she you pulled out the pocket. You want to try and grab the flask back? I was thinking about going, well, she's got the flask in her hand, so that would disappear. She did slip the flask into her pocket. Oh, she did. Ooh. Also, Phantom is now arriving. Phantom falls out of the sky and lands like superhero pose with like a little tornado of sand that just like, oh my gosh. Three point landing. And Shiro was hoping you would land flat on your face. <laughs> I'm going to do a sleight of hand. Um, I got to say what I'm going after though, right? Yep. Because I know she pulled out the pocket watch, but also she, you know what? Fuck it. Like she lied to Larry. Get her. Steal both. Steal both. I got a 19 plus seven. Oh, All right. So you yeah. get one of the two things. Do you want to push your luck? I'm 100% grabbing the flask. Yeah, that feels more important, more dangerous. Yeah, she was, mm -hmm. she was very aggravated by that flask. So I've got the flask. I think I'm going to go for the oh, pocket watch, you're too. You're mad, lad. <laughs> okay, make another sleight of hand roll. <laughs> All right. Please, Grayson. Oh, God. Grayson. Grayson. So, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That's a 12. In total or your natural roll? That's a 12 oh. in total with my modifier. Ah. Phantom, when he arrived, wanted to talk to Grimhilda and does not see Jack or know what Jack's doing. Does that distract her at all? Because I'm showing up with <laughs> full importance thinking I'm about to do it. Roll performance. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, it's a nine. Oh. No, she's oh, seen no. the superhero. No, All the Marvel movies, fan. she's desensitized. <laughs> you don't have a Dieb inspiration? Uh, no, I keep burning them because I think I'm going to oh, keep okay. getting them. And uh, <laughs> it's been a little while. Granny Grimhilda, you successfully swipe the flask. Right. And as you're going for the pocket watch, she snatches your hand and her jagged fingernails dig into your skin. <laughs> and she says, Nice try, dearie. But you'll have to do better than that if you're going to steal from Mother Carrionite. And she snatches the watch back and shoves you okay. aside. Make a constitution save. All right. Phantom leans over to the monster. Was was that Jack? Was that Jack trying to do something? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's a four. Ooh, buddy. With a four, your temperature also begins to rise. Okay. <laughs> oh no, what does that mean? <laughs> After that, I'm just going to say fair enough and walk back towards Frankenstein and put my clothes back on. And I've got the flask and I'm putting it inside one of my pockets. The snakes and rats part a path for you. So you are no longer enclosed in this area. Okay. We're out of sight of Grimhilda, right? Not everybody. Phantom's not leaving, and he's going to tell Imhotep to stay. So you'll have to decide if you're going to stay or not. All right. So is Invisible Man, Mary, and Larry going to go to Carrionite while you two stay behind? Well, does Phantom need Mary as well? Nope. nope. Yeah, I'll go oh, with you. Okay. Just uh, if Emotep agrees, I'm fucked if not, but I did not disclose what I'm doing or why. So have you asked him yet? You haven't asked yet. Uh, I told you to stay. Everyone else is filtering out and I like caught you by the skin flap. That would be the back of your Ew. shirt. Oh. So you catch him by the shoulder. It kind of looks and goes, why? You're needed. Oh, menacing. Kind of watches the rest of the team. Looks at you. Whatever harebrained scheme you have, it better be good. They're always good. <laughs> and Granny Grimhilda sees the Phantom and Imhotep staying behind. And she says, Oh, did you have further business with me? I see time is not of the essence to you two. Absolutely not. I will. You know what? Let me be honest with you. I actually just came from Sister Scissorax and we were talking. And... She mentioned how much you appreciate gifts, and I realized that I have such an incredible gift to give, and I never have the chance to give it. So I was wondering if you would indulge me in providing you a performance. Ooh. I'm listening. It will be a wonderful avant-garde setup. It will be a modern take of an old, old fable about beauty and a beast. Uh, the beast, of course, will be played by my wonderful skeleton right here. <laughs> eyes go red. <laughs> Doesn't say anything. No emotion in his face. Just his eyes are red now. I would play all the parts myself, but I simply can't. Only one of us can turn into a full, beautiful human on command. <laughs> so he will be our uh, visual effects artist as well. Would you like to see it? Well, my curiosity is indeed piqued. By all means. Fantastic. I would like to cast Unseen Servant. Oh. Excellent. We'll hop over to Squad B real quick and then back to... <laughs> and then back to Beauty and the Beast. Back to Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> of course. As we're on our way to the next sister, I'm going to nudge Larry and let him know we have our leverage back and open up my coat and show you the flask. Uh, what? Oh. Thank... Oh, Jack, I'm, I'm so stupid, but at this point, I, I, I'm willing to do anything. I thought that maybe if I gave her the flask, it, it would be so fast and we'd be out of here, but I'm such a fool. Your throat gets a little bit raspier, Larry. <laughs> Jack, your throat starts to constrict a little bit and you're starting to get very <sighs> intensely thirsty. <clears throat> okay, well... Uh are, are you okay? Yeah, I understand yeah. why I'm not okay, but... Well, whatever she did when she uh, pushed me, got uh, whatever it was. Maybe it was just something in my throat that I picked up from the swamp or whatever it was. Roll perception. Can I roll as well? Can I roll medicine? Yeah, why not? Roll medicine. I have good medicine. Perception for me is a 10. 
19 plus 5. Yes, I'm a doctor. Yay. <laughs> so, Jack and Larry, you have been infected with fell feral fever. Ah, what does that do? Bug. Okay. So, this is a disease that Granny Grimhilda is a vector of. It is basically magic rabies. Ew. But <laughs> oh, I don't crap. have magic. <laughs> you will periodically, until you are cured, and there is one cure... For oh, the fell feral feet. Is it the flask? Periodically, you will be suffering negative effects as a consequence of the illness. <laughs> the flask is the cure. No. Oh my god, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I tell Jack, I'm like, Jack, if she... I saw her grab your arm like that and she flicked a, a flea at me. I think I think she's some kind of witch of sickness and we, we both got got, in other words. Well, let's, uh, let's hurry up and get over to the next one. And then yeah. we can maybe get this taken care of. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> Did I do all the talking this time? Oh, that would Absolutely. be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we head on over to the lantern lady. So the three of you head to Mother Carrie and I. Yes. Let's really quickly hop back to the performance going on here. Absolutely. All right. So we are, when it comes back, doing the famous ballroom <laughs> dancing scene. <laughs> We're just absolutely <laughs> sweeping across the floor. And I would like the unseen servant to attempt to take that pocket watch. <gasps> All right. Roll performance with advantage. Oh, my goodness. Mother effing genius. Brilliant. Well, well <laughs> it's as good as it gets. What did you roll? 16. Her perception was a 16. <gasps> Meat beat. Meet beat. Meet beat. Meet beat. Meet beat. So he's got the pocket watch. So the unseen servant has the pocket watch. <gasps> have the unseen servant roll stealth. Oh my Whoa. god, please. Well, it is invisible. What kind of modifier am I going to get on the fact that it's a pocket watch sized object floating through the air? Actually. Uh, what's that, Daniel? Here's an important question before I go on. On a scale of one to ten, how canon is my pierce the veil being... Uh, the full-on glitter light show transformation. <laughs> I am so curious what you have to say. Well, the idea is that as Imhotep is kind of like casting looks at Granny Gorbachev. Um, Granny Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. <laughs> I was like the first G name that came to mind that was the same amount of syllables. And it was three syllable G word. Granny Reagan smash. Reagan smash. <laughs> Sorry. Granny, um, Granny Grimhilda. And kind of just see the pocket watch floating. He's going to go and do the, oh, I have been found my true love. And he's going to go full sparkle and like try to not necessarily blind her, but like go full into the performance and be as distracting as possible so the pocket watch isn't seen being carried Roll away. performance, it's uh, canon. Yay! Yes! <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now that performance is oh, please, not best, Daniel. But we'll do it nonetheless. Maybe caress your tiger poster. <laughs> It'll give you an inspiration. <laughs> oh my god. You have advantage because of the tiger poster. Yes! Yes! Tiger poster for the win! With the tiger poster, I rolled a 13. Oh, tiger poster. She likes it. She likes it. I'm going to have her roll another perception. She likes it. Oh. 11. <gasps> oh. 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 Yes! <laughs> so the whole Sailor Moon music is going on. I'm like, there's ding, ding. The glitter Light going everywhere. Light shows going off. He comes out, strikes the pose. Yes, hello, I have been saved by my, looks at Eric, one true love. Ah, <laughs> oh, so he's meant to be. <laughs> and Granny Grimhilda slow claps. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, that was truly something unique. I haven't seen that since my days back at the Globe Theatre. The acting was not quite the best, but the technical effects were astounding. What a lovely performance. Is she the reason why it burned down? 
Well, thank you very much for indulging me. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I thought the acting was fine, but that's that's fine. It's fine here there. I've seen Shakespeare directly, darling. It's a high bar. He's a hat. Any, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's not, that's not what's important. I do need to, of course, take this show one more sister over. I'm doing it for each of you. Uh, hopefully, that way, you know, you'll have something timeless to uh, speak about and, you know, converse with the gift from the Phantom to you all. Farewell. Imhotep starts backing up. He's still, he's still got the Sailor Moon pose. He's just walking backwards. All right. And uh, inspiration to both of you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Take that inspiration, guys. We're going to need it. Woo. You have now acquired the Enchanted Pocket Watch. Hell yeah. Once per long rest, you can use it to steal time from your future self. You can use its charge to instantly gain the benefits of a long rest. But the next time you take a long rest, you get nothing. Oh, I Interesting. mean, we could, well, I'm not there, but we could heal up Mary because he's got that exhaustion. But I'm not tired. <laughs> you sweepy. I mean, this is this is all up to Phantom. Well, also, I am not going anywhere near the rest of you. I am going directly back to the witch yeah, I cut yeah, a deal with. For sure. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Does the sand also carry Emotep, or am I straight up about to ditch him in the swamp after he helped me out? Because I will. I just. It is only surrounding you. <laughs> got it. Emotep, thank you. That was marvelous. You're going to have to forgive me. And I just like, <laughs> gone with the sand. <laughs> in my eyes, too. Oh, in your fresh <laughs> eyes. <laughs> I now have those again. Ow. I now know how it feels. All right. So the four of you make your way to Mother Carrionite as Phantom makes his way back to Sister Sycorax. So we're going to start with Mother Carrionite. As the four of you start to make your way over to her neck of the woods, you get back into more of like a bayou as things get really swampy and murky and you've got a lot of land descending down into swampy, murky waters. There's some trees surrounding you that kind of weave a pattern extending south that kind of bobs to and fro. And that path is illuminated by some lanterns. Can we tell if these are the lanterns we need, or if there's like uh the lantern? Roll perception. I I, I crit failed. Yeah, same. Oh, both of you? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, any lantern will do. <laughs> In Emotep's defense, he's still wiping his eyes of sand. Yeah, I got a thirteen. Natural. 20. Nice. Wonderful. Nat 20, you remember that she said in her cottage, there is one specific lantern that she wants. But because it's a nat 20, you can also sort of feel a bit of an ethereal energy coming from out of these lanterns. There is something that is calling out to you from these lanterns that is kind of spectral. And if you were to kind of get a closer look, you would see that they are illuminated by a soul. Oh. Oh. Shoot. Okay. So I look up go to one of the lanterns, I peek into it and I, I see the soul, or at least what I think is the soul, and I'm like, I think I know why this one was so excited to get souls. And I beckon the group over oh. and I point at the lantern. I'm gonna hold my hand up to the lantern, because last time I found a magic lantern, I saw my skin. This lantern does not have the same effect. Okay. Oh, um, Mary, what's so, going on? Um, I can't really focus right now. Remember when Raynor was just said that he was giving gifts to everyone and one of them was a bag of souls mm-hmm. of the clergy? These lanterns are powered by souls. That is the light that they're giving off. <sighs> so the special lantern that uh, Mother Groomhilda wants, I can only imagine it has even more souls or has more powerful ones. So if we get that lantern, we need to be extra careful. Okay, well... Should we just walk on up and say, give me a lantern? <clears throat> well, we have probably sh- we should probably do this with tact. Imhotep, these two are feeling unwell. You want to help me out try to snag this lantern? Suppose I can. I've apparently been very good at helping swipe things, as the <laughs> word says. By the way, I'm still Sailor Moon. Yeah. Adorable. I was immediately going <laughs> to see if I could hide in some of the bushes. Okay, and as you do that, Larry, I'm going to roll a D100. Uh oh. Uh oh. That is a 26 for me on stealth. Larry, you have lost the ability to speak. (laughs) Shit. (coughs) And Jack, with your 26, you are hidden. Uh, Larry's going to sit on a log 
and just kind of steady himself, but he is his head spinning right now with 20 minutes to go. I guess Mary and I just kind of approach this one is Carrionite? Yes, Mother Carrionite is sitting on the porch of a shack below you, dressed in a black funeral gown, sort of like the Norse goddess Hel. Okay. She is partly skeletal, partly fleshed. Her hand, she has one hand that is like kind of gradient down the middle with necrosis, with skeletal fingertips, rotting flesh along her knuckles, and then a fully intact wrist kind of reaching its way back up. The other hand still is intact. Um, bits of her face are missing, and you can see little bits of basically skeleton kind of poking out. Is this true love? <laughs> Kindred spirit. <laughs> you just described Imhotep. <laughs> tell me. I did just describe Imhotep. <laughs> tell me Tell me slower. <laughs> she is holding kind of like in an aura of magic. There is a soul floating above her necrosis hand, and she's got a sickle in the other, and she is basically shaving off bits of the soul, kind of whittling away at it as she watches you approach. Can I roll perception to see if I could see the lantern that's inside the cottage? Uh, roll perception. And she says to the others as you approach, I figured it was only a matter of time. What can I assist you with? I got a 12 with my perception. With your perception, you can tell that there's some light coming out of that cottage, but you can't tell if it's anything out of the ordinary. Okay. I'm going to get closer and see if I could look through a window or if there's any other entrance. Because I've already had one of these ladies lie to us, so I don't trust her already. And uh, Mother Carrie and I looks between the two of you and says, I trust that the absence of your lycanthropic friend is a bad thing. After all... The moon is fast approaching. We know. What can I assist you with? Well, in order to help out our friend, we need a lantern to give to your sister to get a watch, and essentially it's a whole big deal. Although what your sister previously said we give her an item, she handed over the thing we need, and then she lied. Yes, that is entirely in character of her. <laughs> That's why you need to get these things in writing. And she pulls out a scroll and a quill, and says, Now, in very strict legal terms, what can I help you? We need your lantern. Not the ones you have out here, but the one that I assume you have inside. No, you misunderstand. That's what Granny Grimhilda or Sister Sycorax can help you with. What can I help you with? You can help us make sure our friend gets rid of this, whatever affliction is bothering him. Well... I do have a means of tampering down and making the problem not his anymore. And she starts whittling more aggressively on the soul and slices it in half and holds up two smaller souls in her hand. You see, the problem with your friend is it is two souls inhabiting one body. I can act as a sort of filter to get rid of anything undesirable. She pulls out an empty lantern, opens up the lid, puts half the soul in, closes it, and it illuminates a little bit. And she says, Just like so. And she holds up the lantern, and as the light kind of ethereally gets pulled through and casts a shadow onto the other soul, which starts to warp and twist a little bit in her hand before poofing up out of existence. What I can do for your friend, if I can borrow his soul... I can filter out everything undesirable and separate the wolf and the man. Oh my god. <laughs> How do we know our friend will not be in excruciating pain when you do this procedure? Your friend will be in excruciating pain if you don't do the procedure. And she takes a look back towards where Larry is resting. Larry, how do you respond? Um, He is having a really hard time focusing on it. Every time he opens his eyes to look out, just everything is twisting and spinning for him. And he's really just trying to keep himself upright. As you are steadying yourself and you start to wobble a little bit, you feel a bit of movement coming from your hair. And Caprison flies up out of your hair and with a look of anxiety kind of looks down at you and flutters away. Oh, oh, oh Caprison knows. <laughs> <coughs> uh. 
with this, is there like any windows or anything that I could sneak into? Yes, there is a side window. Okay, so I'm going to try and sneak into there and then look for the lantern. Okay. You are now inside the cottage. As you make your way in, as the group is engaged in conversation with Mother Carrionite, and as um, Larry is starting to reel from his disorientation, we're going to hop back over to the Phantom and Sycorax. Okay. On the way back towards Sycorax, I would like to press to digitate a replica of the pocket watch. Ah, you sneaky little devil, you. She is waiting in the exact same spot that you left her in, and the sand begins to swirl around you faster and faster as you make your way closer towards her. Sycorax, is that you, my old friend? You know, we've got to keep meeting like this. How have you been? (laughs) I've been waiting. Do you have what I requested? Do I have it? Why would you even ask? How rude. And I hold up the replica. She's going to roll perception. And that's a seven. (laughs) Oh, Eric. So she says, Oh, yes. Give it here and bring me your friend. And then we can begin our arrangement. Bring you my friend? I didn't know that. We're running out of time. Well, then you'd best hurry. Can you provide any faster method for me to get them here? I just want you to get your watch. And I would like the same. I am the honest one of the witches. If you hand over that pocket watch, I will help your friend. I cannot guarantee you a faster way of getting him here, but I can show you what he is in for. I don't need a demonstration. I'm the theatrician. I'll (laughs) get him here. But you won't get the watch until he's here and cured. I know, I know, none of us want to be perceived as the dishonest one. But I'm not naive. I've been driven out of a home on faith before. You are truly remarkable. See, speaking with you makes me feel more intelligent. And I very much appreciate your candor. So by all means, bring your friend here and I will assist. Thank you. And the sand slows down a little bit. And once again, the cartoony zoom. (laughs) Just gone with the, like, sand cloud left behind. All right, then we'll jump inside the cabin. Oh, shit. Oh, Oh, cozy. It is a very large cabin. And it seems like it's built for somebody bigger than the person that you saw sitting on the front porch. Oh, no. Is she not the only one there? Uh, Go ahead and roll perception. She's secretly a giant. I got a 12. With a 12, you can see a row of lanterns sitting at the back of the room on the work table. So I'm heading straight over there to see, can I investigate to see if there's a difference or if there's one that stands out? Roll Arcana. Ah, damn it. (laughs) It's a 13. With a 13, you can kind of tell that one of these lanterns in particular gives off a much more powerful aura than the others around it. You can sort of sense that these souls are more powerful than those that were on the outside. And it's the same kind of presence that you feel around the clergy that were associated with Abraham Van Helsing. Okay, but I can certainly tell that this one lantern is the lantern. One lantern is more powerful than the others around it. All right, I'm taking it. Roll sleight of hand. Ah, damn it. Oh, okay. Well, that's a six. With a six, you drop it. The door on it kind of creaks open a little bit, and an otherworldly gasp rings out through this cabin. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I'm trying to close the, um, the, the door. Back on the outside with the rest of the group. So what do you want in return? All I want is for my fellow witches to be put in their place. I simply want for their deals to fall through. And I will write down my terms very clearly, so you know you can trust me. I will take your friend's soul, and I will filter out everything undesirable. Imhotep looks at Mary and says, go and speak with Larry. Tell him the deal that we might make here. I will speak with the witch. Five minutes before time, Larry's gonna get up and start kind of mindlessly wandering into a clearing. So if Mary's coming over, he just sees Larry just kind of going off on his own. 
no, 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 Larry, 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 get, get, stop. I run in front of Larry, I grab him by the shoulders, I'm like, Larry, Larry, can you hear me? Just, just nod or shake your head, I know you can't speak. He, he nods his head. We might have a way to get rid of your curse right this second. But it involves you losing your soul and have it filtered out and put it back in. Do you, do you want to try that? Do you want to go through with it? Apparently you have two souls inside of you. I'm not going to agree to this until, unless you tell me yes, unless you tell me you're up for it. If you're holding on to Larry, he is boiling temperatures and steam is just almost coming off of mm-hmm. him. And you can see in his his eyes that are kind of glazed over with a thousand yard stare. His head is just kind of circling because he can he can kind of he can hear you, but he can't quite perceive what you're saying. And his eyes almost got a sickly yellow starting to to come through them. But you can tell that he is nearly incoherent. Damn it. We don't have time for this. So I, I instead of like trying to talk <laughs> to him, I just like pick him up and I like oh throw him over my shoulder and just carry him to the witch. Roll strength. Uh, 14 plus 3. 17. 18 was the threshold oh. I set. So as you go to pick up Larry something about him is far denser than normal, and his mass seems to increase supernaturally. You look up to the sky, (laughs) and the clouds part as the light of the full moon shines down on Larry Talbot. Oh, shit. Jordan, go ahead and describe what happens. Yeah, he's starting to shake a little bit, and if you're still holding on to him, you can feel the bones within his body start to crack and shape and twist as he convulses and just really you can feel that something is pulling itself up out of Larry and you can see that his spine is starting to pop and elongate and stretch and his ribs start stretching and pushing outward, causing his skin to become very taut. He backs up and pushes you away a little bit as the muscles and tendons start to rip and pull, and he's letting out just squeaks and sounds of pain, because even though his throat is hoarse, it's still enough to really just cause him a lot of agony and as his chest is starting to barrel out and he becomes more top heavy he collapses onto the floor and his arms elongate and stretch and twist and you see almost this demonic face start to push itself out of the once human visage of Larry and his eyes shoot open bright yellow and these needle-like black hairs start piercing through his skin. Eventually, this hunched-over mass rears up and bellows out to the moon. And he looks at you, Mary, and he makes direct eye contact with these bright, yellowing spiral eyes. This completely feral beast is now puppeting the shell of the once- former Larry Talbot. All that remains of him is his shirt and pants kind of still at the waist, and his cane has now dropped to the floor. Larry Talbot is gone. As Frankenstein is witnessing this transformation, everything starts to make sense. Well, okay, not everything, (laughs) but as the wolf stares right at Mary, Mary just takes a deep breath, cracks his knuckles, looks directly at the wolf and said, I promised you that I would make sure you would come back to us. And I intend to keep that promise, even if I have to beat it into you. Yeah! Let's dance! We are the outcasts the misfits, you might say. We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste for the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid. 
dreadful, but we like it. Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright. So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call. The world is falling apart, we'll never take it to heart. So monsters and creatures and spirits and specters and all, let's all have a ball. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dean Dark, created, hosted, and edited by myself, Danger Dan Jers, with artwork by Jordan Nelson. Be sure to listen to the end for this episode's blooper. If you want to show your support for this podcast, leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Written reviews help us out the most, but any sort of rating is greatly appreciated. You can also interact with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok, the links to which are all in the description. Dean Dark's cast is Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Ben Magnet as Mary, the Frankenstein Monster, Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, and Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni, recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this episode was provided by Joy Lynn Music and Braxton Cheney. Listen to new episodes of Dean Dark Wednesdays, anywhere you find podcasts. I have the most incredible plan, Jers. I hope you're ready. It's some of my best work. Are you going to ask politely? <laughs> I have such an incredible backup plan, Jers. You can't even believe. <laughs> Cruz, get limper. You're part of the plan. Oh, I'm part of the plan. Oh, good. You're a focal part oh, of the plan. Focal oh, point. God. Focal point. Oh, oh no. Pull three patches, throw them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>